Here we go. At our church, Jesus is Lord. That single belief calls us together as a community and sends us into our world with hope and purpose. At our church, your past will never define your future. There's always redemption, which means there's always a brighter day. At our church, we don't think we're better than any other church out there. We're just doing our best to become our best. At our church, we want you to believe in God, but we also want you to know that God believes in you. We are not against people who don't attend church anywhere. Instead, we pursue them with love, the very same love that's pursuing us. At our church, we're learning to serve God with all our hearts and we're learning to worship Him with all our lives. And if you're looking for the perfect church, we're not it. At our church, we will make mistakes, but we will choose to grow from them. At our church, we're part of a global community that's knit together by the resurrection of Jesus. And by the way, at our church, we believe that really happened too. At our church, we will engage with people who are in real need because we are the hands and the feet of Christ. And finally, we need you to hear this loud and clear. At our church, it's not really our church at all, it's His. And we live and move and breathe in His church for His glory and His fame, not ours. So here's the invitation. You're invited to jump in with your whole heart at your own pace and to experience the life that awaits you in Christ. Friends, this is going to be good. Welcome to our church. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to church. Do you want to intro it? Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> well, good morning, saints. No. <laughs> God is good, amen. We thank you to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Can we give God praise for all he has done and who he is? God, we thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We lift your name up in this place, Jesus. Hallelujah. I just want to share a verse before we... Let's get our hearts in the posture of worship, amen. From Psalm 63, verse 1, it says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your awesome glory because your steadfast love is better than life and my lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. And in your name, in the name of Jesus, I will lift up my hands. So can we lift up our hands right now and just welcome God in this place. Jesus, we thank you for waking us up this morning. We thank you, Lord, for all that you have done and all you're going to continue to do because, God, you are an awesome God. And you are worthy of all praise and all glory, no matter what the situations look like or what today looks like. But, Father, we will give you praise because no matter what we go through and no matter how crazy the world gets, Father, you are still on your throne. So we will praise you, God, because there is power in the mighty name that is Jesus. So can we just, again, let's just lift up our hands, lift up our voices. For God is worthy of all praise, and we are going to welcome him in this place. We are here for him. We are here for you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, surround us right now. Let your presence be so heavy, Lord, that we cannot take it. Father, we welcome you in this place, Lord. Let our hearts be open for all you have for this place. Thank you, Jesus. Come on.
Worship with your own mouth, with your own spirit. Let the groans of your spirit come out right now.
presence, Jesus. You're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You serve
No 
walking so many times by, because of so many things that have taken place in my life. How about you? How many things that God has protected you from? Stepped in and did a work. I should be dead nine times over, but I'm still here. <laughs> I should have had cancer, but there's no cancer. God got a plan. He's more than your protector. He is your presence. He is for you. Look at someone and say, God's for you. He's not against you. He's for you. And nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible for God. What makes it impossible is when we don't want to hear what his word says we don't want to yield to his ways and his word that's when it becomes impossible but it's not with God because with God all things are possible give him some praise in the house of the Lord because I don't know about you but I've seen too much I've experienced too much God's still on the rule I know what's happening in the world and it's going just according to his plan if you know your word but the best is yet to come. Look at someone and say the best is yet to come. So this, we're, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna sing. We're, we're gonna sing. You got one more song, right? Yeah, good, because I was hoping yeah, one more song. <laughs> I'll tell you a little bit my journey. A little bit later, but we've been all over the place sharing Jesus and wherever we go. How many know that? Wherever you are, wherever you are. God just wants to be you to be a vehicle for him. Someone say amen. amen. Someone say thank you, Jesus. Don't get me excited. <laughs> I tell you, I can't wait. There's so much in my tank. I can't wait to get in the pulpit. I told my wife the other day, I, I miss preaching. <laughs> Been a bunch of churches. Met a lot of friends. A lot of beautiful things taking place in the process. But I want you to know, don't focus on your problem. Focus on the person of Jesus Christ. When you focus on your problem, that's all you see. But when you focus on the one who's over everything, someone say over everything. Yeah, yeah. When you focus on that, and trust me, I know what I'm talking about. I live this. God will show up. He has perfect timing. Look at your neighbor and say, he has perfect timing. He knows what he's doing. He'll put you and place you right at the right time, right moment, in the right place, so that his word and his ways and his works will be done. On this last song, 
I just want you to just get a hold of knowing that God is your protector. He's your provider. He's all you need him to be because he said, I am the great I am. The great I am. That means, that means he is everything one you need him to be. Isn't that good? Come on now. That should make your liver quiver. Come on. When people follow religion, and that was me at one time late in my life. You know, I follow a lot of religion. But when I got a chance to know who Jesus was, it just changed everything. And then look what I became, huh? A wild man for Jesus. <laughs> all right. Let's sing this last song, and let's give Jesus all the praise. And just forget about your problem. Forget about everything. Young ladies, why don't you stand to your feet? Come on. Let's give them some praise. Come on. Let's give some good vibes to Jesus. Amen. Miss Fishing Woman over there, come on, stand to your feet. Come on, girl. We're going to pack this house with that youth. God loves you. God has a plan for your life. Look at me, girls. You know, yes, God has a plan for your life. If you let him lead, oh, my word, the best is yet to come. We'll get the whole crew together, serving Jesus, loving Jesus, and changing, making a difference on Salem. Let's worship.
God, some praise in the house, can you? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, give him one more praise. Thank you, worship team. Let's That's... welcome our dear, our brother, our evangelist, pastor, author, <laughs> our frugal, <laughs> our mechanic, Pastor Holt. Come on up, my brother. Do you want to be down or up? Can you adjust the camera? He's going down.
you know, all these newfangled devices. Back in the day, they used megaphones. They were pretty simple, right? They just spoke louder, right? So you'd be heard. But anyhow, um, I was thinking as we were worshiping, wow, what a powerful, what a powerful service. And uh, if you're alive and well today, you should sense the Spirit of God speaking to your heart. Don't ever just shove that to the side because God is always working. And um, that one song that we sang, I haven't heard it that often. Awesome song, Protector. And I was just reminded of the many promises that God has made. But in Matthew chapter 28, when the Lord is getting ready to leave, and uh, he gives a commission. And he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. That word in the Greek always means always. Really, really tough one to grasp, doesn't it? It means there's never a second in your life, no matter what you feel, okay, that God hasn't been with you as you've been serving him. That to me is awesome. Never alone, no, never alone. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. There's so many songs written. And that song, Protector, so many of the songs that we sing in our churches, they all come out of scripture. All the songs in the hymn book, you look through all the things over the years. And that's just another reminder, switching out here. The problem with these wireless things is if, if you get carried away, they can shut them off on you, and they can also shock you. Right, Steve? Guys back there? No, I'm just kidding, the shocking part. But they can shut you down. But I've learned to speak loud as a pastor. And we try anyway. But um, just remember, promises God has made and promises that he keeps, I will never leave you or forsake you. Good to see you all today. It's good to see my friend Bobby Baker here today. Good to see you, Bobby. And um, as always, Pastor Brian and Paula, thank you for letting me come again. I try not to be a problem when I'm here, and especially when the pastor's away. And I asked him the other day, was he going to be here? And he said, yes. I said, oh, man, I can't talk about you. <laughs> the problem today is everything's recorded. So whether a person's here or not, they can go onto their phone. And, I can't believe what Pastor Keith just said. Can you believe that, Paula? Listen, look at this. It's all recorded. So I was just kidding. We just have a great time together, and you are blessed. I am serious. You are blessed with a great team in, in Brian and Paula. And I've been around for a few years. You can tell by the color of my hair. Been around a lot of different people, and you got some just top-notch people right here that love the Lord and love ministry and love people. So this morning, my title is Thine, Not Mine. And... Uh, <clears throat> Again, when I was thinking about what to speak on, there's, there's so many areas you can cover in the scripture, but I want to tag on to what we talked about last week. And last week we talked about, anybody remember? Betrayed but not forsaken. Life of David, some of the life of David. We couldn't go into all the life of David, but there's so many scriptures about David. But the verse I picked for the day is a key verse, is Acts 13, 36. One of the verses we used last week where it says, as Luke, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes Acts, for David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep and was laid in unto his fathers and saw corruption. That phrase, he served by the will of God. 
that hit me again, and I want to talk about the will of God. Uh, some other verses that some of you are well aware of, but Matthew 6, 9 to 13, some of you could quote this. There are people who don't even go to church that could quote this. The Lord's Prayer. After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine, not mine, thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. After this manner, pray, Jesus answers the question, thy will, not my will. And then Romans chapter 12, which is really... Um, the whole Bible is filled with incredible verses. If you're not reading the Bible, you're missing so much treasure that God has for you. It's all, it's all there from Genesis to Revelation. Genesis, uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, perfect will. Those are all adjectives that describe God's will. So sometimes we fight about surrendering to God because, oh, I can't believe he's going to send me to Africa, and I'll, I'll be dressed in little shorts with a little hat on, and I'll be going into the jungle to preach to the uh, natives. And when you were a kid growing up, if you grew up in church and missionaries came and showed all the slides and pictures, you think, oh, if I say yes to God, I'm going to be a missionary to Africa. By the way, thank God for those who are missionaries in Africa and every other country around the world. That's a noble thing to say yes to God. But how many know that not everybody that serves God is called to be a missionary? Now, Pastor Brian said earlier, we all have gifts. Thank you for all you do in the life of the church. We need people using their gifts in every way, shape, or form. It makes a complete whole. But this thing about the perfect will of God, and then Pastor Brian and Paula could understand this, and my wife and I, many, many years ago, wow, how the time flies, I was in a church, and we were dealing with some issues. Not that, not that this church ever has any, but we had people in that church. We had people in that church. How many other people have issues? Yeah, you look at me like, what? Not this church. Not me. I don't have any issues. My wife doesn't have any issues. We all have issues, right? We need God's help. And this man said to me one day, he said, Pastor, I wouldn't have your job for a million dollars. And I said to him, I wouldn't have your job for a million dollars. You know why? Because God called me to do this. I said yes to his will. I don't look at it as a hardship. He's like dealing with people. He'd been at church all his life. And he, hey, how many know that sometimes we're like sandpaper with each other and we rub each other and sometimes we're a file and we, we don't always like that and stuff happens. We don't always agree. Well, think about this. You that are married here, have you ever had any disagreements? Okay, a few. Yeah, no lion church, no. Okay, think about all the families that come together in a church setting. Is it possible that there'll be never a disagreement? That's, that's just, that's heaven, that's paradise. Okay, so we need to hear what God's saying to us and do it, and we submit to God's will, and we find when we do, it's good, pleasing, and perfect. You'll never regret saying yes to God. I never regret saying yes to God. Many years ago, <clears throat> some of you that are my age and uh, maybe a little older, and some of you that are younger have picked up some of the music of the past. There was a popular song that hit the Billboard chart in the last week of March 
1969, being sung by Frank Sinatra, the song, My Way. Anybody remember that song? I did it my way, my da 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 I did it my way. I know, I'm not the singer, so just stuff that aside. This song, this is a song of humanity apart from God's winning principles for life. It started with Adam and Eve deciding they disobeyed God. His clear command, and they were going to do it their way. They were going to take of the forbidden fruit. As someone said, it wasn't the problem. The problem wasn't the apple on the tree. It was the pear on the ground. Catch that? The pear? Adam and Eve? Pear? Are you all awake? Okay. It's always a problem, not with that on the tree. It's us. And so they took what God had said no, because they're going to do it my way. It's interesting to note that the middle letter in the word sin is I. And when you pursue life, rejecting God, I becomes the God. You become your God. I did it my way always gets us in a heap of trouble. We have a little video clip. Some of you remember this from a few years ago. I'm going to bring that up if we can. All right, Gerald, what is it? Fish got your tongue? Love a duck! Well, I gotta find my son, Nemo! <gasps> Nemo? Hey, 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 he's that fish! You know the one we've been talking about? The one that's been fighting the whole ocean? Hey, I know where your son is. Huh? Hey, wait! Come back! Stop! Keep going! Keep going! He's crazy! I got something to tell ya! Mine. Okay, don't make any sudden moves. Hop inside my mouth if you want to live. Hop in your mouth, huh? And how does that make me live? Mine? Because I can take you to your son. Yeah, right. Oh, I know your son. He's orange. He's got a gimpy fin on one side. That's me! Oh, saw Finding Nemo. This is humanity apart from God. Mine, 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 mine. You know, none of the seagulls said to each other, like, hey, Charlie, you look like you're really hungry, haven't eaten for a while. You go ahead and have the fish today. They're all like, mine, mine, mine. And they're going to get in there and they're going to fight over it, right? So when you come to Jesus, he changes everything, doesn't he? When we were kids, one of the songs we sang, and I don't know how old I was, time flies, by the way, you're also going to do the, the nursing home in 2025. That was a prophetic word by that little slip of the tongue. 24 and 25. Oh, I'm just saying. Um, Jesus and others and you, what a wonderful way to spell joy. 
Jesus and others in you. What a wonderful way to spell joy. Jesus and others in you. In the life of each girl and each boy. J is for Jesus because he has first place. O is for others you meet face to face. Y is for you and whatever you do, put yourself last and spell joy. Now some of you heard that song. Some of you it's the first time. You're like, I don't want you to sing it again. But just remember, <laughs> just remember J-O-Y, Jesus first, others second. That only happens when you come to Christ. Because before you come to Christ, it's about I, me, myself, and I. It's mine, 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 mine. We're like the seagulls. That's a very creative picture there. But it's so true. What we're like, apart from Christ, it's all about me. What can I get? As someone said, get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the lid. Now, you read all kind of stuff out there, of people that are striving for this, that, and the other thing. Well, you're like, what, can, what am I going to get out of it? Um, it's all about me. When you come to Christ, it changes. It changes to thine, thine, thine. Not my will, but thine. Jesus prayed it in the garden also, by the way, in Matthew chapter 26. His prayer in the garden of Gethsemane, O oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And then he said later on, O oh, my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. We are the recipients because Jesus said yes. To something very painful, by the way. The cross was no joke. All you have to do is read doctor's descriptions of crucifixion, if you haven't already. But he willingly submitted. The beginning for us praying, thy will be done, as Jesus prayed, and he taught it in Matthew 6, it starts with us surrendering to Jesus. Now, here's some common things that we all need to agree on if you're here for the first time, or you come a number of times. We need to agree on Romans 3.23, all have sinned. All. That word all in the Greek means all. Everybody. No one's exempt. We're born in sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Um, <clears throat> a minister came across a group of boys, and they were circling a dog. And he came up to them, and he's like, what are you doing? Like, he was afraid they were going to get ready to beat this dog up. And he said to the boys, what are you doing? He said, we're all deciding who's going to take this dog home and take care of it. But the only way we can decide in this circle is we're going to see who can tell the biggest lie. And the one who tells the biggest lie is going to get the dog to take home. And the pastor says, oh, that's, that's so terrible. You shouldn't be lying like that. Well, when I was your age, I never lied like that. There's dead silence. All the boys looked at each other and said, you won, pastor. See, we've all sinned, and one of our problems is acknowledging that. That's where the humility comes in to say, Jesus, I have sinned. I need, I need help. You're the Savior. I ask you to forgive me. There's a lot of good people going to hell because they refuse to say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Hey, I'm, I'm a sinner, but, you know, that guy down the street, I, let me tell you about him. He really needs Jesus. And my next-door neighbor, you ought to hear them talk. Oh, they need Jesus. But me, I'm Okay. I give to the March of Dimes. I help little ladies across the street. I go to church and drop a few bucks in the plate every now and then. I'm a good person. Good. That's all good. Good doesn't get you there. It's only grace. God's amazing grace. And it only comes when you humble your heart. 
Now, I grew up in church, so I heard the message many times. It really hit me when I was 12 years old. I was at a youth rally. You know, it's very difficult when they say, come forward, and you're around all your friends. But I knew that was that, was that moment God was speaking to me. I went forward. I never regretted saying yes to Jesus. But I needed a Savior. And he began to change me and work in me even more so. So we acknowledge that. Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin. This is great news, by the way. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So when you're giving up your sin, you're getting something so awesome you couldn't even imagine what God's given in return. And I've heard so many testimonies of people over the years. It's just so awesome. Um, John 3.16, of course, a key, a key verse that most people know whether they went to church or not. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him, you see that in there? It's not automatic. Whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And then, of course, and there's so many verses, Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you would confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. It's with the heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. So we acknowledge I'm a sinner in my heart. I verbalize that. I can stand in front of an altar as a 12-year-old saying, I need Jesus. Lord, will you forgive me of my sins? And he, guess what? He does. So as many as received him, he gave to be power. As many accepted him, he gave them the power to be sons and daughters of God. But it's simply acknowledging you're a sinner and you need the Lord. And then the transformation begins. That's really awesome. Second Corinthians talks about this in uh, chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. I've heard so many testimonies of people that tell me what happened to them. It was like, like they were filthy from the outside working in a cold mine, and they got home and got in the shower and the soap and the water. Just How many, how many like a shower? How many like taking a, a, a bath when there were six kids and you were the last one and the scum's in the water? I'm not making that up. Anybody here understand what I'm talking about? You, you just, you know, we were very frugal growing up, and, you know, I was number four, so it wasn't too bad, but there were two more after me, but anyway. Showers. Bang, you're standing there, and the stuff's coming off. He's going right down the drain. You're not sitting in anything. You're like, that's what happens. You come to Jesus like, man, I'm clean yeah. from the inside out. Yeah. And then he begins the transformation. You change the way you talk, the places you go to, the people you hang with, the way you spend your money. Um, for some of you in my generation, you will remember the name Barry McGuire. Because Barry McGuire was singing a hit song in the 60s. I was a teenager in the 60s. Some of you here were teenagers. Some of you here weren't even born yet. But Barry McGuire became famous singing the song Eve of Destruction in 1965. In 1965, it was a protest song written by a man by the name of P.F. Sloan, made popular by Barry McGuire. The song references social issues of the 60s, including the Vietnam War, the draft, the threat of nuclear war, the civil rights movement, turmoil in the Middle East, the American space program. And anyone here, like me, that was a teenager in the 60s, will remember there were many terrible things happening. Here's Barry McGuire, original album. There he is, the eve of destruction. Now, when he was singing that, he was on his way to destruction because his life was consumed with sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Uh, LSD was a drug of choice along with many other drugs in the 60s. Barry had already lost some of his friends to drugs. God, you can read it all. I'm not making anything up. 
Some of you have lived it. You know what I'm talking about. Today we have so many drugs too doing the same thing, killing people. And um, one day, Barry McGuire, whose life revolved around I, got saved. And it started with believers witnessing to him and giving Barry a Bible. I think this is really cool. And, and some of you remember some of the versions years ago. Good News for Modern Men was the title in the book. And I don't know if Billy Graham or some other evangelistic groups made that for outreach. And, uh, and Barry, like he says, I'm just sitting around, sitting around, singing the blues. I feel bad, so, so, so bad. He said, I could use some good news. So he took it and he said, I opened it up and it said, Holy Bible. I'm like, oh my goodness, these Christians have disguised the Bible calling it good news for modern men. And he threw it on his coffee table. He tells us in his, his testimony. <laughs> and one day in a drunken stupor, drug stupor, He's sitting in his living room, and a wind began to blow. Flaps open the pages of the Bible. Isn't it how God gets a hold of our hearts? And Barry picks it up and starts reading it. And the rest is history because he gave his life to Jesus. And everything changed. When you say, I am thine, O Lord, as the song that we sang growing up says, I am thine, O Lord, I've heard thy voice, and it told thy love to me. But I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer drawn to thee. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. That's what Barry began to do. And so he's a new believer. And this is the time, of, if some of you saw the film, we lived through it, the Jesus Revolution. All kind of people getting saved. Hippies coming to Jesus, coming into a church. Some people said, oh, we don't want you sitting in our pew. Chuck Smith said, people are more important than pews. We'll take the pews out. We'll all sit on the floor. Are you with me? You, if you saw the film, if you lived through the time, you saw the, what God was doing. Where people had done everything, been there, done that, and they're coming to Christ. And Barry's one of them. And uh, because he was popular, because the hit song, even Destruction, you know when a Christian, when, a, when an unbeliever gets saved, and he's popular, everybody wants to talk to him, interview him. So he's on this talk show. And I say this to you to help you understand what it means to come to Christ and let him begin to change your life and you become a new creation. To me, it's a real a simple definition. So he's sitting there, and this radio DJ says, Ah, come on, Barry. It's a line you've all heard. Isn't it true all you Christians have just been brainwashed? Anybody ever say it to you? Oh, you're just brainwashed. This is a classic answer. This is what God gives you when people ask the question. He said, you're absolutely right. I had dirty, sin-sick brains, and Jesus scrubbed them clean. <laughs> My brain's been washed by the blood of the Lamb. If you would listen to Barry McGuire today, I don't think he's still traveling, but his music changed. Here's a whole album with him, Barry McGuire, the second chapter of Acts to the Bride, a double album, awesome uh, we saw Barry McGuire live a couple times. Barry McGuire, hey, have you heard? And at the funeral the other day for, for Larry Powers, I heard you and Pastor Peter mention about peace. And numbers of verses were read about peace. You know, what you never have when you don't know Jesus, you don't have peace. It's a temporary joy, peace. You go to a party, but then it's like, is that all there is to life? And... Um, uh, Robertson, Phil Robertson, who heads up the Duck Dynasty, if you're watching a Duck Dynasty, great, great platform God's given. He said, when I came to Christ, I found something I never had before, peace. 
I was looking for it in all the wrong places. And you can read his story. It's a book he wrote called Happy, Happy, Happy. You can listen to him talk. On this uh, album here, says, hey, have you heard? There is a peace, a prince of peace, and he can heal our troubled minds. And then Barry McGuire, finer than gold. I love this one. He's a cosmic cowboy. He's right in the starry range. He's a supernatural fly. He's dressed up. Well, his life has touched so many people since that day he came to Jesus, and he wrote all kinds of children's albums and uh, posed them and so forth. When you come to Jesus... There's going to be people looking at you like, what's different about you? And when someone like Barry McGuire gets saved, you want to interview this guy because his life was sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and now he's a Jesus freak. And you remember that song, DC Talk? What will people do when they find out I'm a Jesus freak? What will people say when they find out it's true? See, you're a freak if you love Jesus. If you're a big fan of football, you're not a freak. You're just crazy fan, a fanatic. You can dress in all kinds of colors. You can paint your body. You can, you know, and that's okay. But come to Jesus, getting serious about Jesus. Oh my goodness, he's freaking out on Jesus. Hallelujah! We found the answer to life. We found a real purpose and meaning in life. And by, and by the way, is there anybody here that's a football fan? Any Eagle fans? There's a couple. Patriot fans? Steeler fans, come on. Juan, we've got Ed and Son. Way to go. Okay. I just thought it'd be interesting to throw this in because the season starts this Thursday and um, <clears throat> the Kansas City Chiefs who beat the Eagles in the... Wait, I shouldn't bring that up. It's still probably a little painful. Um, <clears throat> they're playing the first game. And then on Sunday, you guys play the Patriots. If I write, look at the schedule right. That's not going to be a good... Okay. So anyway, and I don't know when our team plays uh, the Steelers, the Steel Curtain, all that kind of stuff. But I was, I was looking at, I look at, I look at uh, news and I look at things that happen on certain days. And do you know that, for those of you that love football, that football almost came to a screeching halt. And the reason it almost came to a screeching halt was because many people were dying playing football. Now today, we have a fewer, fewer injuries. We have all the helmets and padding and everything, but there's still injuries. And listen... If you're getting ready to pass the ball like this, and two guys that weigh 300 pounds each, boom, it's going to hurt. I don't care how good a shape you're in. I don't care how much weight you can lift. Boom. Well, back in the day, they didn't have half the helmets and that. They had no forward passing. That wasn't legal. Who'd think today that would not be legal? What? Oh, Lambo. Well, anyway, there's a guy by the name of Brad... Barry Robinson, he was a college star who threw the first forward pass. You can look that all up, pretty interesting history. They say he actually helped to save the game because even the president was looking at this sport and said, this is a deadly sport, we can't have this continue. And the forward pass changed everything. So instead of everybody running with the ball, you're coming to knock me down, Monty? Watch this. I don't have the ball any longer. Think about it. Think about the lives that are saved and the bruises that aren't there. So the forward pass changed everything, and of course, how quickly people can score. Because if you can launch a 60-yard pass or 50-yard pass, the guy catches it, you can have a touchdown in minutes after getting the ball. It all changed. Maybe God would have you do something in your life that would change things. Just think about this. That's, that's football. I don't think it really matters to God. But I, I'm also glad for the people in football and all the sports who are believers. 
who use the platform God has given them to share good news. And we have many of them like that. Um, so that's just on the side note there. But when you come to Jesus, your sin-sick brains are scrubbed clean, and Jesus begins the process of changing you from the inside out. And everyone that knew you, they will see the change. And here's another promise. This was written in a Bible I received when I graduated from Bible college. And uh, I think it was my brother John, who also served in pastoral ministry for over 45 years. Philippians 1.6, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. When Paul thought of the beginning of God's work among the Philippians from the first day, it was natural he also thought of the day when that work would be complete. Paul also expressed his confidence in God's ability to complete that work. So you're not on your own. You're like, well, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? How am I? Because God's with you. He will give you wisdom and insight. You will get into his word and you'll have answers to questions you've had. He'll be with you as he promised. You're not alone on the journey. And he who started a good work, he's going to be with you for the whole journey. As long as you don't walk away from him, he'll be with you to see you through. Spurgeon wrote this, The work of grace has its root in the divine goodness of the Father. It is planted by the self-denying goodness of the Son, and it's daily watered by the goodness of the Holy Spirit. It springs from good and leads to good, and so it is altogether good. I, I love that. I just I love that phrase. I uh, found in my file um, a copy of um, <clears throat> some notes from Bible college days from one of our professors, and I gave, uh, I gave Loretta here a copy of this. It's half pages, and it's like eight half pages, and it's all on divine guidance. So if you're a serious student of the word, and you're in a place in your life maybe where you're saying, God, what do you want me to do in my life? How do I serve according to your will, like David did? Through thick and thin, even through his sins that he committed, he found forgiveness and he dealt with the consequences. Through everything, I want to serve God according to his will for my life, not mine, but his. Thine be the glory, thy will be done, until one day I fall asleep. And I'm not talking about falling asleep in church while the pastor's preaching. Nobody ever does that when you're preaching, do they? I did have a gentleman in a church that he sat about right there, and every service when I started, he fell asleep. And he said, I, it wasn't me because I didn't even start preaching. He fell asleep. He said to me one day, he said, I'm sorry I fall asleep. He said, I run all day in our business. When I sit down, I automatically go like that. Okay, we carry tic, tic Tacs. We throw them at people, wake them up. No, we don't. Just <laughs> I do have Tic Tacs that helps me with my breath. But um, if you're a serious student of God, until the day he calls you home, you want to grow. This is a great set of notes right here. A lot of scripture, a lot of questions. You go through at your own pace. And uh, you can ask Loretta. She'll uh, make more copies for you on divine guidance. And then I pulled an issue out of the uh, Pentecostal evangel, which dealt with uh, the whole issue, and I won't for sake of time read testimonials, but is this entitled, this is in the year uh, June 25, 2000, you can know God's will. You can know God's will. It doesn't have to be something hidden. Oh, I don't know, that person knew God's will and they're pursuing what God wants, but for me it's like, oh, I don't know what God wants me to do with life. So here's, here's one clip I'll read from here, a testimonial. Thomas Trask was the superintendent of the Assemblies of God for many years. And uh, he, he, throughout this article, there's, I wish I had multiple copies to hand out, there's testimonials. How do you find the will of God for your life? He, I, I use three witnesses as a guide taken from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. The first is the witness of the word. God always works within the framework of his words. So if we go to the word of God, it'll serve as a guide. The second is the witness of the spirit. 
As spirit-filled people, we can count on the Holy Spirit to lead, guide, and direct our paths. The third is to witness the circumstances. Many times when we sense a witness in our spirit, then we need to look for the circumstances that support that, that this is the will of God. I picture it like a piece of a jigsaw puzzle. When it is right, the piece drops in place. When you try to make it fit, you make a mistake. Now listen, anybody here like to do crossword puzzles? I know my wife does. Anybody here? Do you ever have a thousand? Anybody? Nobody? Nobody? Anybody does crossword puzzles? You ever have a thousand piece puzzle and some of the pieces all look the same? And you pick a piece up and say, that goes right here. And then you're, you're like, oh, maybe it doesn't. You're trying to make it fit, right? And it doesn't quite fit, but you keep pressing, you pull it out and say, no, that's not, that's not it. God has a fit for each one of us. And it's not a forced thing. It will fit. We will know we're in the peace of God. He, his spirit bears witness with us. When you try to make it fit, you make a mistake. Timing becomes critical if you'll be sensitive to the green light, the caution light, or the red light in determining the will of God. You'd expect God to lead and guide you. These three witnesses work in harmony with each other. The scripture says, what he opens, no one can shut. What he shuts, no one can open. As you pray for God's will and direction, he has promised to lead you. I'm convinced that the longer I live, and I'm in a new season of my life, my wife and I both together, but we're finding that God is with us in all seasons. Okay? As we talked about this last week with David, David could look back over his life, even when his son Absalom was coming to kill him and many other people that betrayed him. We went through that last week. He could say at the end of his life, I was young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread. He could say that because he had a confidence in the God he served. All right? And he wasn't just speaking off the top of his head. He, he was speaking from what he had gone through. How did I determine God's will in my life? When I was a kid growing up, it was real simple. We learned how to do everything because we didn't have money to call professionals. If we had to fix the roof, Dad figured how to do it. We helped. You had to fix a wall, Dad figured how to do it. We helped. You had to work on cars, Dad figured how to do it. Got the Chilton manuals, asked my Uncle Tony, who was on the county, and we did. He got tools. And Dad told us something real simple. I wish every parent could say this to their kids. He had six of us, so you got to understand this. When you kids are ready to get your own car, you might have heard me say this before, it's all yours. You're buying it. You're repairing it. You're putting the gas in it. You're putting the oil in it. Okay? And when it needs repairs, if you don't want to pay for someone to repair at the garage, you will fix it yourself. But he's basically saying, hey, Dad, I need 50 more bucks. This broke down. Hey, Dad, I need... It was all ours. Now, we knew that up front. We all had jobs. We all worked. We all bought cars. We learned how to fix them. So as I was growing up working on cars and getting my own tools and learning stuff, we didn't have any YouTube videos to help us like there is today. Hallelujah. Of course, the cars weren't as complicated. My, my desire for life was to be an auto mechanic. And here's what I reason. We need good, honest auto mechanics. If you've ever been to a dishonest one, you'll know why I say that. It can cost you a lot of money today for cars. Your little light goes on, that little orange light or whatever color it is, that's dollar signs. Your car's not going to pass inspection because of the pollution controls, emissions and all that stuff. So that's what I was going to do. I finished high school. I was 17 when I finished high school. It wasn't 18 till September of that year. I'm in a, I'm in a uh, body shop, Boyertown Auto Body Works, working a full-time job. 
And while I'm working the job at break times, I go out in my car, and I think I had my sister's copy of Lenski. It was a commentary on the, on the book of Corinthians. And I just felt a desire to, to read. I wanted to know more about God. That's all. Nothing special. And I had that book, and, um, and I started to go to night school. Night school to learn more of auto mechanics and to really key in on automatic transmissions because as we were growing up, the transfer was being made from stick shift to automatic. It was a whole new field. So I'm going to night school. I'm working. I'm still living home, paying room and board and all that stuff. And um, don't push to the side when people say things to you because they might be used of God. And my brother said to me one day, he said, Keith, what are you doing with your life? Simple question. What are you going to do with your life? And I said, well, John, I think that God wants to be a modern mechanic. I feel gifted in that area. I'm learning. I have tools. And I've learned a lot of stuff growing up. He said, well, you ought to pray about it. Simple words. And I did. And I'm like, maybe God doesn't want me to be an auto mechanic. And based on that, later on, I entered into Valley, uh, well, it's University of Valley Forge now. It's Northeast Bible Institute, where um, Tim, your dad, Brother Flagstaff graduated from. In fact, he graduated in the same year, 73, that I graduated. So there's where I met my beautiful wife. The rest is history. 52 years later, uh, God has blessed us and helped us. And um, it was the beginning of me hearing God's voice in a way I hadn't heard him before. Because you're not kind of a Christian college setting. Every day there's chapel. You have Christian professors. You don't have people ripping apart the word of God saying, we don't believe that, we don't believe this, this is blah, blah. No, you have people say, here's what God's word says. And you're learning it. And as I was there over that period of time, God began to speak to me about pastoral ministry. And I'm saying all this to say this to some of you here. You think because you're limited in certain areas that God can't use you to do whatever. I was never in the drama class in school. I never took public speaking. I was a shy kid. I could never picture myself standing here like I am to you. And you're feeling like, wow, shy? You know how to talk? When are you going to shut up? The time's running out. <laughs> But I simply said, God, whatever you're saying to my heart, I want to serve you. If you're defining being a mechanic, I will be the best I can be, and I'll treat people right, and I will fix their cars, and I won't charge them double. I'll be an honest man. And God directed me into ministry. Someone says something to you, you ought to listen. Those are some simple words my brother said to me. But it got me thinking about, is this what God really wants me to do in my life? And then at Bible college, I met Linda, Linda White, who came, having gotten saved and serving God, and came from her home church in Neptune, New Jersey, full gospel assembly of God. And she had a pastor that would say to the young people, go for a year in a Christian college. Just get some more roots and foundation, because college can really mess you up. Kids get out of our churches, they go to college, and they're taught by atheists, and you name it, agnostics, and kids get really messed up. And go to a year and then decide what God wants you to do. And then she came and I met her. And I remember the conversation. I probably didn't do it really smoothly because I was a young kid, didn't learn a lot, didn't know a lot of things like I know now. You know, you know what I'm saying, Pastor Brian? We learn a lot of our years. And we're dating. <laughs> and she'll tell us, she'll say, one day I said to her, Well, um, I need to tell you, God's called me to be a minister. I don't know if you want to be a pastor's wife or not, but. There's no sense in me wasting time here if <laughs> I'm dating someone who says, I don't want anything to do with that. Like, well, I probably didn't come across smooth and all that kind of, you know, kind of words. And she was like scared, like she didn't want to be a pastor's wife. You know why? Here, here's what happens to us. We compare ourselves to other people. We say, well, 
If I'm going to be a pastor's wife, I can tell you what my pastor's wife was like growing up, and I'll never measure up to her. She could preach, she could teach, she could play the piano, and her pastor's wife did all that stuff. So she had the idea of that, and she was like scared. But you know what? God works in our heart, and we said yes to God. We said yes to each other, and we've served God and still serving him today. Yeah. Those seasons have changed. What I'm talking to you about is, what is God saying to you about your life right now in the season you're in? How do you see yourself? See, we talked about David last week, and we're going to conclude with this in a few minutes. No one saw David as a king except God. That's really the important part of the story. God's the one that counts. See, Samuel comes to anoint the next king, and Jesse has seven sons there, and he looks at the oldest guy, and he says, well, certainly God's hand's on this guy right here. He's, he's the oldest, he's good-looking, he's tall, he'll make a good-looking king. And God says no. And all seven were rejected, and Jesse's like, I mean, Samuel's like, did I miss it? Je Jesse, do you have any more kids? God sent me here to anoint the next king. Oh, yeah, I got David, he's out taking care of sheep. Someone wrote a song, when others see a shepherd boy, God may see a king. David wasn't sitting around out there taking care of sheep and saying, one day I'm going to be king, I'm going to rule the world. He was just being faithful, taking care of sheep. But he had a heart after God. And I want to say to you, if you have a heart after God, you will be amazed at what God can do to you through you in this season of your life. I don't care whether you're young, senior citizen, in between, I don't care. Say yes to his will, not my will. So I conclude with the stick. Anybody want to know why these sticks are up here? No, no I'm not going to say anything. Oh, we have one person that's like, what's the stick? There's two, there's two, okay. Some of you have seen some of this before, I think, years ago. It's interesting, what do you see? When I was growing up in the woods, in the country, boondocks, dirt roads and everything, outside of Earlville, near Woodchopper Town, that was a thriving community, Woodchopper Town, look that up in your map, if you can find it. I'm making this up. It's about 20, about 20 miles south of Reading, Pennsylvania. And um, one day as an adult, like in my 20s, I stopped at a friend's house, and um, he had a stick like this, all fixed up. And um, I said, Paul, where'd you get that? He said, out in the woods. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, the vines grow around them. You just bring them back, take the vines out, clean it up, and make something out of it. I said, get out. I grew up running through those woods, hunting in those woods. I never saw those twisted sticks. If I was a carpenter or a contractor, I would never pick one of those twisted sticks to make a two-by-four, even though when you go to Home Depot and places, some of the two-by-fours are like this, right? Can I get some straight ones? You know what I'm talking about? They are the straight ones. Fortunately, if they're in the wall, you can straighten them out some. But He said, yeah, and he, said, and he gave me a stick. This was the first stick he gave me. It didn't look like this, but this is what he gave me. He said, here, work on it. And I did work on it. Cleaned it up. I'm not good at carving. I made a little duck's head. I'm going to take your uh, idea, uh, Monty, because he's been doing this. Get little BBs and stick them in there for the eyes. And I made this, and I put my wife's initial on it, LH. I gave it to her as a walking stick. What do you see? And then I made one for myself. And you know how you look at stuff? Who does that remind you of? A cartoon character. Woody Woodpecker. Okay, so I'm not far off. Woody the Woodpecker. There's Woody Woodpecker, and here's a duck. So quack, quack, and Woody Woodpecker. Okay, so what do you say when you look at that? 
just a nasty twisted stick, right? All these up here are just nasty looking sticks, except the ones that have been finished. You'd walk by them in the woods, think, think nothing of it. Who cares about this? Who cares about me? I'm just a stick in the mud. God can't do anything with my life. Really? Then God comes along and he takes you. You're going to be a staff in my hand. Lift up the staff. Watch the waters part. Are y'all with me? That's what God does. And this is yours, Pastor Brian, because I know you need another project. <laughs> you're going to clean that up, and you're going to bring that back to church one day, and you're going to show what an old stick cleaned up can look like. You can go to different sites where you travel, and you can buy these things. They're not cheap. In fact, some of them are turned on machines. They're not the real ones. These are done by vines in the woods that wrap around them. So as we conclude this morning, some of you are going to win a stick. And you're going to take it home and work on it. It may be a small stick for your child. But they're all important. Children, youth, adults, all are important to God. God has a will for everyone's life. So, Pastor Brian, I'm going to let you draw. Feel the pressure. He doesn't know who it is. The, the, the things are folded. Hopefully your name's in here. And you want to tell me, you have one there? Okay. You want to read that first name? You read that? It's in, it's in Greek. It's Kele. Uh, Kele Kastaluli. Can you come up or you want us to bring you stick? Kelly, come on up. You have your pick of three sticks over here. Take one that you want right there. This will be for Robert because he loves sticks. Take whichever one you want and you and your family can work on it. Doesn't matter. Okay. You have the first pick. Do I leave this thing on there? Yeah. You, that, well, you take that home. You're going to take that off and clean that all up okay. and shine it and put a little bry wax on it or whatever. Um, I think the kids I, will be doing that. I expect that done by next week. Okay. Gotcha. No pressure. <laughs> right after you have the baby. Needs glasses. Doris Lawrence. Doris Lawrence. Doris Lawrence. Come on up, Doris. Doris, I was going to read a little story here of a lady who at age 76 applied for her credentials with the Assemblies of God. Her story is an incredible story of all kinds of things she's been through in her life, but in this season of her life, she's serving God and making a difference. And that's you. Do you have your pick of this one or this one? I got it. You got that one? Yes, sir. Okay. And by the way, you can cut it down. You can use it as a javelin. I mean... You, you, you can be creative. That's the nice thing about these things. Because that's what God does in our lives. He changes us, doesn't he? You say, well, I'm going to do this. And God says, oh, watch this. Watch what I'm going to do in your life. And he radically changes us. And we have one more person here. And if, again, if you don't feel you comfortable that you can help family, you can give it to someone in the church. Jerry. Jerry. Come on, Come on up, Jerry. Now, listen, Jerry, you have a head start because Monty has already done a lot of these things over the years, and he will give you advice and help you as you clean that off, scrape the bark off, do whatever you're going to do with it, right? He can help you with the little BBs for the eyes and everything.
So what can God do through your life? David, a little shepherd boy, becomes a king because he had a heart after God. And that's what I will conclude with today. Having a heart after God, the sky is the limit. We did a drama play many years ago when we were out in Pittsburgh at Bethel Christian Academy. And uh, another two weeks we're planning to go out. They're having their 50th anniversary of that church. And in the play, the kids were wearing sunglasses. And some said, how come you have sunglasses on? And they said, because the future is so bright. You might have heard the line before. Serving God, the future is bright. As you commit to Jesus, say, not my will, but thine be done. Not mine, 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 but thine, thine, thine. He will use your life. You will impact people in your generation. At the end of your life, they'll be able to say about you like they said of David. David served his generation by the will of God. And then he went home to heaven. Lord Jesus, speak to our hearts again today. We've gathered in your house. You have a plan and a purpose for every one of us. Maybe there's some here today that have to start with step one, saying yes to you, Jesus. Will you forgive me my sins? And then, Lord, can you take me? I'm a mess. Can you turn my mess into a message? And he does it all the time. Barry McGuire's case in point. There's so many testimonies right here in this church. So, Lord, we commit our lives again to you. We want your will to be done, even as it was in David's life. We want to be a blessing. We want to be a giver. We want to be a lover. We want to be a people that sow into other people, as you have instructed us to. Remember, Lord, that on that day when we stand before you and you separate the sheep and the goats, you're going to say to some, you gave me food when I was hungry. You gave me water. You gave me clothes. You visited me in prison. And, and we're going to say, when did we see that, Lord, when you did it to the least of these? Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. We all want to hear that, Lord, and we will based on us submitting to your will and following you with a whole heart. I pray your blessings on this church, Lord. I pray your blessings on Pastor Brian and Paula and all the leadership of this church. I pray your blessings on everybody who does something in the life of this church. And I'm praying blessings on those who are going to put their hands to the plow and roll up their sleeves and get involved who are not involved now. Thank you for the testimony of this church for years and the people that have been changed and many that are even in heaven now. We will meet again. We give you glory and praise in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen and amen. Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in His church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 10.30 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.